Welcome to episode 228 of Texing, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Today's show taped in front of a live studio audience. Udi, all the way from Israel. Hello, Udi, how you doing? Hey, I'm great, thanks. And How's it going, Udi? Uh, going great. Uh, living with Justin here for, uh, for a week now. And you're still here. And I'm still here, still alive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, I guess our first time in front of a live studio audience. Yep. So what uh, what's going to di- be different about this? Would we are we going to be including him in the uh, discussion? So I do I do have you I do have a, a recording running through my MacBook Pro. Um, so if you are going to talk, I'll just kind of face it to you and capture it that way. So uh, it's sort of semi mic'd up. Yeah, good enough. All good right. Enough. All right. So I need to start off with a uh, clarification. Uh oh. So um, when I was explaining to you the algorithm that Guy and I. Uh, developed for the Uber nearest cab challenge. Oh, the one you invented. Yeah. Well, I had in, I came up with the idea. Right. I had invented this concept, drew it out, and you know whatever. I showed it to uh, to um, let's see. I showed it to Guy and I showed it to Amos back in October, November. Yeah. And then when we the challenge came around, um, we just started. You know, Guy and I started coding it up. But actually, I guess what we did is uh, we did a little research on the web. And, you know, about looking for geospatial search algorithms. And uh, we came across Quadtree. And I'm like, that's exactly mm-hmm. what I was talking about, you know. Now, unfortunately, when I was explaining it to you, what happened is two times when I was trying to get to the point of telling the story about how we, we're, how we developed the algorithm and searched and realized that it was a pre-existing algorithm, you were like, but, but explain to me how this works or what is this? And so right. it threw me off track. And I went and we went, got lost in the weeds of me explaining to you how the uh, how the algorithm worked and what the what the challenges were. I never said, oh, and by the way, we realized that we just reinvented the quad tree. Right. You know. Right. So anyway, I never meant to say that. You know, I that it is a unique algorithm, never never before discovered by man. <laughs> I just meant that it wasn't like we went, we didn't go on the web, find it, and then code it up. I had sort of intuited like this is probably a good solution. Mm. Um, so anyway, just to make that clarification. Okay. Uh, but I, I think part of the reason that I didn't cover it was not only that we got lost in the weeds in explaining the details, or I got lost in the weeds, and I have a hard time keeping things in my brain when I start talking about another topic, so it just kind of fell out. And uh, the second thing is that I've told the story like three times already. By that right. time, I told you in depth about the story and the algorithm. I told, I told right? I mean, we talked about it. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, listen, I didn't mind. I mean, I don't mind if you did invent or if you did. Yeah. It's no, just I like- just want to clarify that. I just want to clarify that. You know, it's like it's 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 uh, yeah. So anyway, I told it to say in an email. So it's like in my head, like I just talked about it. Yeah. Anyway, so we uh, we created the algorithm or coded it up and submitted it. And oh, yeah. So basically what we're hearing now is the results of the uh, hackathon and finding out who won. Not quite. Oh, we don't have the results yet. Uh, oh. Amos, the, the, the Amos, who's the uh, one hosting the challenge, he's the one who kind of put it on at Uber. Um, Amos is the one pretty much running the dispatch co- you know, team or whatever now. So he, he's the one who put the whole thing together. And because uh, none of the teams were able to 
um, get a fully working uh, algorithm together. Okay. He yeah. said, let's just push it out the week. Because, you know, everybody had other work to do, right? It wasn't like a whole weekend. It was a one day. So you, you pushed out the contest for another week. He, he, he put it, he put it out for the next week. And I didn't know that. So I found that like Thursday, um, I said something to him like, so what's the status on it? What were the numbers? I didn't hear anything. He's like, oh, I gave it another week. I'm like, dude, <laughs> why do you tell me? Because I would like to spend a little more time on it. And I'm like, he's like, all right, we'll just have it, have something into me, say, Friday morning. What were your right? numbers like? Have you got, have you got them? You know, we, no, I don't because we just tested the algorithm on, uh, on like a, uh, on just how fast it could do a query just by reading you know, objects, right? Not actually, not interpreting an, an HTTP, not receiving an HTTP request, oh, responding, because right. then you get to build more testing infrastructure, and I just don't have time to do that. So, uh, anyway, it was Friday, Friday morning, yesterday morning. Yeah. Uh, Guyon calls me, and, and normally he doesn't come until the afternoon, but uh, I think uh, his, his wife, Louise, was out of town, and he was home with the kids, and he just was, had some time to burn because the kids were occupied. And yeah. He's like, hey, so... He's like, yeah, you know, he was asking me about the the results. And I was like, yeah, I don't know yet. And he's like, yeah, it's too bad because, you know, I really wanted to try this other approach. Because when we were coding up the quad tree, yeah. after quad tree, you know, he was like, you know, maybe we have, maybe, maybe there's a better way to do this. And he initially was thinking of like these overlapping circles. Like you'd have layered circles, mm. you know, of different resolutions and that you would have a copy of the, uh, of each driver in each layer, right? Kind of like how Google Maps, you have different zoom levels, it's different tiles oh a nice yeah something like yeah. that and uh i was like that sounds cool except i was like the mathematics of the circles sounds really complicated i'm like can't you just do that like with with a grid with squares and he's like yeah so after about 20 minutes fashion out he's like yeah i think we could do it with squares but that was it that was we had that conversation that was like what monday or sunday or i don't know when the hell we did the first version it must have been for that and um i was think it was a friday and uh so I said, you know, he's like, so when he brought it up to uh, yesterday, he's like, ah, oh, it's too bad. We didn't get a chance to do this. And I'm like, you know, Amos said I had till the morning to get him something. Amos runs a late shift today, so his morning could mean three in the afternoon. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. Do you want to give it a shot? I mean, how long do you think I'll code this thing up? And he's like, I don't know. And I'm like, let's do it. Screw it. Let's do it. Because otherwise, we're going to be frustrated that we never got a chance to, to build this thing. You didn't try it. Yeah. You didn't try it. So we coded the thing up in an hour and a half. Now, I have to say the lion's share of the thinking was Guyon's. I mm -hmm. mean, I don't want to take credit for it. I mean, he's, like I said, Guyon is algorithmically... He's your external uh, brain. Yeah, he's, well, I say he's my, co -pro, my mathematics co-processor. Right. You know, if I had a, if I got an extremely difficult algorithm, I just kind of outsource the hard calculations to Guyon. So anyway, we code that thing up in like an hour and a half. And Based on the initial test, it looked like it was about 46 times faster than the adaptive quadrate. 46 times faster than the other one. 46 that you times wow. faster. Now, I, that isn't conclusive. I didn't run it through enough tests, but I ran a few tests and it looked like it was like, it would run in like, I don't know what, 20 microseconds or something wow. like that? Or 100 microseconds? So it, was, so, it was measured in the microseconds. So you so did fast. invent something then. Well, Guyon did this time. This is a new concept. Yeah. We we invented it mostly Guyon. Okay, fair <laughs> but enough. But we built it together. Um, so it was... Or, or did he get some... Did he do some research on the internet that gave him the idea? No. Now, I'm sure... Now, that I'm sure that somebody else has probably invented this. Right, okay. Right? I'm right. sure if we had had weeks to go through the academic literature and search Google and try stuff, you could probably find an academic paper where this is... And this probably has an, a known... This is probably a known solution. We call it layered grid. <laughs> so, okay. and the way it works is that you have 
uh, you could uh, you can define how many layers you have. So let's just say we have four layers. Mm -hmm. Okay, and the first layer has uh, you divide it, uh, you slice it in four, to a four by four matrix. Okay, and then, and then each um, depend by latitude, longitude. Latitude is your y, longitude is your x. Okay, you slice it up, and you say, okay, every car that's in this box, every every driver that's in this box goes here, and so you have a hundred thousand cars divided by sixteen, more or less, and they're going to be in these different boxes. And then you go one step down, and you set your exponent level. So let's say well, by two. So rather than four by four, it's sixteen by sixteen. And then the next one is again by two and two. So you get down to really fine grain. Mm -hmm. number of cars and so then what you do the way it searches works is that you go okay we got a request for a car the the, the, the pickup request is coming from this latitude longitude so what you do is you go and you just do a simple um you know uh, calculation to find out what the uh, what the index would be at the very most at the finest most granular uh, layer yeah you find the, the 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 cell and if you have enough cars in that cell and the furthest car away is Closer than the nearest side. You like zoom out one. You're done. Oh no, you're done. You're done. If you're, you're if done. it's in the cell, otherwise you zoom back one. You if you go up one. Yeah. And and oh, actually no, you don't go up one first. You go n plus one, and you go search all its neighbors. Oh, okay. And then you do n plus two. You search two times its neighbors, and if you still don't find enough there, then you jump up to the next okay. lower uh, lower resolution. Nice. And boy, is that thing fast. That's great. It is super fast. So we built it in Node. It was 150 lines of code in the end. But it's pretty slick. It's it's pretty clean, and uh, we'll see how it does. I mean, you know, it's going to get some C plus plus multi core solutions. Although I'm not sure how you can use multi cores if you have if you have to share memory. I, I don't know how that's going to work. I'm yeah. not sure a multi threaded approach is really going to buy you much. It may actually do worse. But we we didn't do C plus plus. We did Node. I wanted this is a whole other discussion. I if I had enough time, I would have written a version in Go just to compare. Right. Um, I had installed Go, and I'm like, ah, if I just did like two more hours, <laughs> I could write a Go version of Go and just kind of see, just for fun. I mean, it may be faster, it may be, you know. Now, I don't have the numbers yet. So, you know, we worked it, we built it in like an hour and a half. I went off to lunch, came back, and we tried to make some tweaks to see if we could make it any faster, but I think it was pretty much done. And awesome. I sent it off to Amos, and he's going to spend the weekend running everybody's uh, solutions against the, you know, the test suite built on EC EC2 and see where it stands. That's cool. But, you know, I just I felt like it was nice to actually get it done. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you have something in your head and you just want to try it. And it's frustrating when you have something and you can never get to try it and well, you talk about it. Like, oh, I've been cool. For I wonder day. how many teams are submitting two solutions. Well, I just said this one is way better. <laughs> <laughs> just ignore the adaptive quadrant. Yeah. Use the layer grid. All right. So, um, well, that's, that's very cool. So, I... I Another topic we were talking about last time was the uh, donations, the, the Catalyst. Yes. So we put out the call for donations for laptops, and um, wow, that sparked some interest. Yes, we got, uh, let's see, so Glenn Bennett has uh, has offered to uh, give us a, what he calls vintage 2011 Chromebook. Yeah. Which, would, which I'm sure would work great. And then um, Julian... Uh, Stock, well, it's actually Patrick. Pat he calls up pa Patrick. Patrick Stockwell uh, donated $100. Uh, now, I think, uh, I'm not sure if it's Julian or Patrick, but anyway. Julian uh, is his first name, but he goes by Patrick, okay, as far right. as I can tell by the email. So he's donated $100 via PayPal, but also uh, a CR48 laptop. Right. Right, so that's kind of awesome. But then we've also had um, another two $50 donations. So uh, JP McGrath, um, who 
actually the the pr- pronunciation is McGraw, yeah, not well, McGrath. Oh, I wasn't arguing with you. I just <laughs> didn't know any better when you pointed out. I'm like, okay, I go with you. Yeah, so that's that's fifty bucks. Thanks mm-hmm. a lot. That's from J- James, isn't it? James McGraw. Yeah, and um, then Sta- uh, Stanislaw Stanislaw Piduccia uh, also um, donated fifty bucks. Is that Stanislaw? Oh, Stanislaw. Stanislaw. What about his last name? Can we get a ruling on this, Udi? <laughs> wow. I have no idea. But it's basically Stanislav Pitucha, maybe? Pitucha? Okay. Well, we'll trust. We'll All believe right. Udi. Something. I'll go with Udi. <laughs> anyway, so look, I mean, that's that's hardcore. I mean, that's... Just, that's 200 bucks plus also two laptops. Yeah. So first of all, thanks a lot, guys. I mean, very wow. generous. We really appreciate it. It's... Uh, yeah, it makes you feel... I actually, it does makes you feel really good when people step up and want to help out, and especially with Catalyst. I think Catalyst... I think people really get why we're doing it, and they feel good about it too. And it, I, I don't know, it just, it gives people, a, you know, a good reason. And it's helpful. It, 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 it's helpful to us. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we have kids coming in and they don't have a computer or they forgot a computer or that there's always some kind of an issue with at least. That happens a lot. It does. Yeah. And it's not like the, it's not like, you know, we're have necessarily underprivileged kids who don't have computers. It's just, you know, with it, with the, the, the chaos of the week and multiple kids and coming from Girl Scouts or, you know, violin or soccer practice and this kid dropping this kid off, they forget a computer, they forget a, and they bring the wrong laptop, which doesn't have the right, you know, browser and the one has admin privileges or they forget a power cord. I mean, it's something, mm-hmm. right? And then it just screws things up because then you have a kid who doesn't have a computer and they are, they're at a different level or have different challenges to do. And it's just, it just, it's bad. So that'll help a lot. So also um, on Tuesday, the day after, was that the day you arrived here, Udi? Or the day after I arrived. The day day after Udi arrived, I, he was. I in, arrived the night before, basically. He was in Catalyst helping out. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So that was that was a lot of fun. So we have we had a new intern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also Manny turned up as well. So actually, we had less kids this time, and we had more helpers. Yeah, we had fewer kids. We had like eight kids and which seven? is opposite to last time when you had like 12 kids 12 in kids year. three new kids and just me yeah you know with and each new kid has an, had an anxious parent who's sitting there looking at you like what's going on and actually <laughs> a lot i of mean Udi, what did you think of catalyst um it's surprising how well some of them really they're, they're very good uh, like like riley for example and the uh, guy who sat in front of him marco that, yeah that built this game yeah, they, let, they, they, they really you. they really understand it, and it's good, and it's good. But the bad thing is that you have like children on different levels. Yeah, yeah. So it's challenging to be on top of everything. Yeah, you're telling me. Yeah, that is the problem. Yeah, <laughs> it is a challenge. That is the challenge. Um, yes, yeah, is they they do get it, and I think that I think that with some of the tools that that I'm working on, that uh, it's going to improve. So you know, one of the things that we started. Uh, having them do this past class was, um, or class session, I guess, we yeah. was doing a, a text adventure game. So it's oh, like yeah. half of the class. Yeah. And the reason I've been talking about having them do that for a long time, because I feel like it, building a game is fun. Kids want to build games. And they can build a text adventure game, a simple one, you know, of Zork or, what's it, Zelda, something Zelda you were bringing up? Zelda, I mean, yeah, but without any graphics. Oh, any graphics, right. Yeah. So just the text. And the reason I thought it would be good is not just because it's a game, but it's like they can understand it from the bottom up. It's not like, well, here's this entire game infrastructure and you're going to script some stuff. They still don't really get what's going on, right? It's like later after you understand the entirety of what a program is supposed to do, that they can ride on top of all these other libraries and not feel like they don't, 
they don't this, they're on unstable ground. They don't really get what's going on. You know, and that's one of the problems that I have with like, oh, have kids build games, and it's like, well, ninety point ninety nine point nine 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 percent of it's done, and they just do like a scripting thing. They don't really get what get it. Well, I think they really enjoy the storytelling, the yeah. simple if statements of uh, you want to do this, no, well now you have to. Mm-hmm. So they really they really enjoy it. They I don't think like building greater graphics at the moment will be like most important thing. Yeah, I, 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 you, you see a lot of, um, I see read a lot of articles and they talk about teaching kids to program when they when they talk about teaching teaching kids to program and they say things like, oh, well, you know, I gotta, yeah, things have to be graphical and this and that, and I don't buy it. I don't buy it. I mean, it, kids, kids can have fun doing a lot of stuff that you, 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 you guys and I might not think would be very entertaining like you give them a christmas present and they play with the box well so you know? i mean marco what what he did was he basically created a while loop mm-hmm. and in the while loop he put a switch statement mm-hmm. and he started uh, when you run the program it, it said you're in a box what do you do right right so then you could type in single word uh commands and he basically put in that if you if you typed in look up or look down or whatever it, it said okay i can see the sand i can see the water and then he typed in it he, he said, if you type in win, it says, you won the game. Uh, <laughs> right? Right, right, right. So he was really excited because, um, who was the other kid? Uh, Liam. Yeah. Liam came over and he said, okay, how are you going to win? So Liam typed in win. <laughs> and he won the game. Right, <laughs> he right, just, right. he just like intuitively got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they were very excited about it. Yeah, yeah you know, and, and, and so then they, they understand why you need a switch statement. Mm-hmm. They understand why you need a while loop. It's not, I mean, the programming challenges are good because they force the kids to, to think about how the structures work, but the, 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 the text adventure game motivates them. Like, oh, I need to understand this, what, what a case statement is. Oh, I'm going to add a different case because I want my program to do this. And so I've been thinking about this for, since we started. Like, this is what I'm wanting to get to. And one of the things that I learned that I've noticed, and I think you know, you, Justin, you and I have discussed this a number of times, is that we realized that we could get kids up to speed way faster than we thought. We initially, when we first started this, we, we kind of would beat around the bush and we would play little games with index cards and we would use all these analogies. In the end, just show them a few examples, say this is a statement, this is a variable, this is a, and they get it. You get it. And then they're off to the races. And so had we understood this and had we had the tools and these things in place, I mean, we could have gotten to this point, you know, two months ago, maybe. You know, the issue isn't really getting them to understand something. It's getting them to remember it. That's absolutely true. Um, and that's one of the, the pieces I've talked about building these question and answer mm-hmm. reinforcement drills. And I've built a lot of that. So hopefully we'll get that integrated over the next couple months. But so one thing that you said to me, which I, I initially wasn't sure was necessary but i think has some merit to it you i i mentioned i we had it was after we started getting them on the text adventure game and i said i think we want i want to continue with this and you're like yeah but it seems like it's like a lot of typing or whatever and i'm not really with you on that i think that they can't type because it's not that I mean, it's not like it's 500 lines but what i do think might not might not be a bad idea is having a skeleton program of a very basic working game Okay, you know, it could be like a, you know, a an, an array. Like I was doing one uh, before. Like it's an array. It's a one dimensional. There's a hallway. <laughs> you can only go one way. You can reverse or walk. Maybe pick something up, and and it's just it's a while loop and a switch statement, a few and a few other things. But at least they can see it working in its entirety. And then what we can say is modify this so that when this happens, do this other thing. Or they, you could do. We can tell. Look, you can make your game however you want, and tell us what you want to do, and we'll show you how to modify it. 
And then maybe later we can have a slightly more advanced one that has a really good inventory, you know, system. Or we could say, okay, now instead of a one-dimensional array, you want a map. You won't, you won't just run on, walk down a how, hallway, then you need a two-dimensional array. This is why you need two-dimensional arrays. And this is how it corresponds to a map. So we can, you know, you and I can code up like a little template. Say, so here's a template, simple games, number seven. Clo go into it, and you go into a list of programs that we have on our, in the ID, clone it, and then you can go and, mm -hmm. yeah, what do you think? I like it. I like it. Because even just as you were just describing it then about them building the adventure games um just like that there is quite a lot of code to to it because you've got to write in a lot of different potential answers and you've got to retain state about where you are in the game mm -hmm. and um it's not you know it's not just a while loop it's going to be a lot more than a while loop so that, that's that's because for example with a typical while loop if you look at the game that um marco was building last week it's just one place it's just one question one answer mm -hmm. you know how would you then kind of say oh now you're in the next room so that's why we need to kind of think it through and actually structure the game. Yeah, so I was building one um, yesterday. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like 70 lines, a while loop, some case statements yeah. in a hallway. And that's basically a good. That's, you know, version zero yeah. or whatever. And we can go with that. Each Maybe each session, session, we have a little more sophisticated one. And you can modify this so it can do these things. You want different commands. You want to have different ways of doing inventory. Do you want to have hit points? Do you want to have, you know... Whatever. Well, but maybe we should start at the base. Uh, we we should build one that is just a world loop. Yeah, no, agree. So just the very first one that, oh, yeah. that doesn't even have the hallway. It's just like the, your first question, and then the next one we move to where okay. it remembers where you are along a, a passageway. Yeah, we could do you, that. You know, because like when we make the jumps, then they're like, what? Yeah, 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 maybe. So you're thinking we need one simpler than where I was starting. With I think so. Hallway. Yeah, okay. just one level simpler. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so there's, that's that'll be the first one. The second one will be the hallway. The third maybe will be. Um, inventory where they can pick something up like to win it you have to pick this thing up mm -hmm. and then unlock the door pick up the key unlock the door you're out okay and then yeah. they may say okay maybe we want to move beyond a hallway guys maybe we want you know a square you know and then they have to where they can move, go around well it's cool because if they can load the template and then click run and actually play the game so now they've already played it so that that's kind of cool and then they can start editing it that's double cool yeah so one thing i i, I got working uh yesterday is so now you can um you know if for, for our listeners so who haven't seen it so we have the kids can do ch programming challenges which are saved but they couldn't write a freeform program and save it now you can write a freeform program it's auto saved kind of how google docs does auto saves it as untitled <laughs> and then but you can rename it and you can delete it so the only thing i need to add in is the ability for them to see other people's public programs and clone it Cool. Right. So you and I can go in, you know, and just write something and, and just make it public and then say, okay, guys, you see this one that Justin created yesterday. Just clone oh, that nice. one. Nice. Early then, introduction to open source. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I was thinking, I was looking at it and I was thinking, okay, so I want this thing to have elements of GitHub. I mean, like, you know, 0.1%. <laughs> just the key part that you can share stuff and you can clone stuff and you can view other people's code if they make it public. And kind of like Google Docs and that, you know, that it has it's just really easy to use to code in the browser. And one thing that you were talking about, Justin, is uh, is you had asked me about when I was building the drill system, the question and answer system to help them, you know, remember the uh, the concepts. And you were like, well, I think you really need to build it into Catalyst. And I was thinking, how am I going to build it into this thing? Because it was kind of the, the Catalyst, what they're using is just the IDE. 
It's just like, it's like if you were just looking at Google Docs, it's like, well, there's no file system or anything into it. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to change it so it's more like GitHub. And so it's like the top, you know, navigation area, you have drills and files and all this other kind of stuff. And then they click on a file to edit it, and then it brings up below that the editor. Right, right. right. So it's inside out, right? So rather than selecting a challenge from a drop-down box, they just go and click on challenges, and they can list a huge number of challenges ordered by topic and whatever, and they can just click on it, and then they're editing it. Hmm. Does that sound? Yeah, cool. Yeah, does that sound good. Sounds good. So I, I've been tra- trying to get this stuff in place so that by Tuesday, and I don't want to do it Tuesday morning and be stressed out about, it, which seems to happen all the time. <laughs> so I was kind of getting on this early, and I was like, no matter what, if we're going to do adventure games, the kids have to be able to save their code, and 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 rename it and delete it and yeah they don't and it has to auto save if they lose if they write their own custom game and it disappears they're going to be one, one of their line of conversation i wanted to follow um or pick up on is um is the idea of like the future of catalyst okay and you would ask we we have we've had this conversation a couple times not recently but and i've had um a few people i've, I've gotten into conversations with it uh specifically eric dreyer who runs the STEM education for Pasadena Education Foundation, and uh, um, I think a couple other couple other people who are who are interested in the catalyst thing. They're like, okay, so what are you going to do? So if this thing grows, because I've been talking about that, we'll get our own building, and then we can have classes going on from from like you know eight through eighteen, and then maybe we'll open one in Santa Monica and up north, north, up in Northern California. And they're like, so are you, so is this your plan? Are you going to work full time on this, or are you going to? I'm like, well, I don't know. Are you going to work part time? Like, well, I'm thinking about it. And I'm like, you know. I'm really got the madness about this. I'm really excited about it. I, this whole thing, I think is really important to me and I want to do it, but do I want to make it my career to be running essentially a, a school in a way? Your life. Right. Which, you know, and, and, you know, from an interest standpoint, you know, I, it is interesting, but from a monetary standpoint, I don't think it's interesting. Really, I don't think I could do it really. <laughs> I don't think I could do it comfortably. Um, I think it would probably involve too much pain. And um, and there's other things I want to do. So, and then one thing you had talked a little bit about is like, why not just, you know, could, why don't just, just do the online thing? You know, just because we talked about putting videos, recording videos for one, just so that we don't have to keep repeating ourselves. So if some kids, if one of our kids is like, well, I don't, I'm, I'm confused about our arrays. Watch the three minute array video. Do some of the, 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 the question and answers. If you're still confused, I'll sit down with you. That's a much better use of time than me, you, you or I walking over and spending 15 minutes walking through the same presentation we've done 10 times in the last three months, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Which I totally agree with. I mean, you, you brought that up, and I think that's a really good point. So I'm, I'm thinking that rather than going the bricks and mortar route, mm-hmm. which is sort of like we're talking, we're, we're, it's funny because at the same time I'm talking about opening all these sort of physical buildings, these these academies, you know, the, the entire... Uh, uh, a college, you know, educational system is getting is in the process of getting disrupted. It's just about to get disrupted. Just about to move away from bricks and yeah, it's going to get killed over the next ten to twenty years. You know, we're going to see these these dinosaurs that charge just obscene num- amounts of money uh, to learn 
for kids to learn stuff that they can they can learn online. I mean, I think we're going to find some kind of hybrid because yeah, there is a lot of value for kids to live in this protected environment away from home where they can kind of grow and be adults, but kind of in a semi-supervised. Well, also, way there's different also. levels. So you've got K twelve and you've got university. Yeah, I'm talking university. Okay, yeah, sure. I'm not talking kids. I mean, kids K through twelve. I mean, you got to get have to go to school, right? Yeah, kid, you got to kids out of school. <laughs> I mean, for no other reason. You got to get them in the house so the, the parents can get something done. Yeah, you can't get stuff done when kids are around the house all day. And yeah. plus, if it's just done, I mean, there's a million reasons why I don't think that's works for a lot of people um but i'm just talking about like you know the whole conversation about going to college and coming out with two hundred thousand dollars in debt and not be able to get a job because you just studied like you know french art history or something and you're like okay <laughs> it was interesting and i liked it and i learned how to think critically and uh, i i'm liberally educated but i have this huge amount of debt and the debt is the result of a lot of things but it has to do in a sense with this overbuilding of physical infrastructure yeah you know, and I think what's going to happen is there's going to be some sort of hybrid where some of these schools are going to be completely disrupted. Some of the schools are going to have to do much more of a hybrid where kids are going to be able to learn stuff at home and online and on campus. What, what are you smiling about? I'm looking at Udi's face and I'm seeing the realization. Udi's like, re- make you know, you're you're just like a, an audio ch- channel coming through to people's brain, right? Uh-huh. But Udi's realizing he's like, holy shit, he really does just that's actually jason just talks that much that's actually that's actually what really happens like is that what you're thinking well, actually, i was just understanding what he was saying because it is true basically the, my, what i was saying is true or what justin is saying no is what true. you are saying is true okay no he okay so i just made that up i'm sorry i just okay. put that in his brain projecting uh, you're projecting on hootie okay yeah anyway the, the the point is is that Whatever happens, however the shakeout happens in the next 10 to 20 years, it's going to be interesting. And what is happening is that more and more of our education is going to be able to be uh, uh, accessed and completed and certified online mm-hmm. because it can. And it's 10, 100 times cheaper, 1,000 times cheaper. Now, right now, the certification is weak. The support is weak. It's just, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's the Wild West, and it's going to be that way for the next five years. But, you know, I think you, you'll see this slope upward, and like, I don't know if it's, I don't know if the tipping point's going to be 10 years or 15 or 20 years, but at some point, it's going to be online. So we're aware of this, right? We're aware that you can learn linear algebra online as much as you can sitting in a, at a desk and a, and a guy writing on chalkboard. In fact, you can probably learn a lot better, in my opinion. And in all these technical things, I'm sure there are subjects in labs where you can, where it's like, well, I'm taking bio, I'm taking uh, biology, so I had to do laboratory, so I need to be in a lab. But, but the point you're making is that, given that this is the direction we're moving in, there is no sense in us going bricks and mortar for Catalyst. I mean, there, yeah, exactly. The sense is, there is value in the school. I mean, there is value in kids being there. There is value in the one-on-one mentoring. There is value in the social group aspect of it, in terms of keeping people motivated keeping them want to move forward. I mean, there's, we're, we're social animals. However, we can achieve a lot of it online. I mean, a lot of parents, I think they're, I've taught, we've had emails and blog posts. They, mean, they want to work from, with their kids. Like yeah, they, comments. they kind of want to work locally with their kids in an ID like Catalyst, in a learning center like Catalyst, where they can sit next to their kid and work through the same stuff that we're working through in the Catalyst class. Yeah, I mean, I think... Probably the majority of them would just love it if they have if catalysts happen to be near them and they could just drop their kid off and then help and hang out with their kids sometimes. But some of them might just say, "Well, I really want to do it with them." Either way, we're not there, so, and so it's best to have the stuff online. So if we go online, why have a local class? 
the way reason we have a local class, I think, is it's like our laboratory. We get to try and see what works. Because I, I guarantee that if we put this stuff online and just kids were getting random emails, well, my kid didn't understand this or this was difficult. I mean, it just is not near the same kind of insight that you have, that we've, the, the insight that we've gained by sitting there with the kids and walking through and seeing them forget things and seeing what they understand and seeing what they don't understand. And we spend all this time arguing and debating about what works and what doesn't because we really don't have enough information. But when we sit in there, you and I have very little debate about what worked and what didn't. It's pretty obvious. It's also more likely to actually make money online because you don't have uh, the, the fixed costs of basically renting a classroom, which is going to be huge. You know, like we, we, we were talking about what would it actually cost for us to rent a classroom? And that cut into so much of the potential cash that we could make. Oh, well, that's in that season. I mean, the fixed overhead, you know, you're probably... I mean, it depends on how big of a building you get or if it's one classroom or space for two or three classrooms in an office. I and mean, whatever you're talking, it's thousands of dollars a month. Yeah. Three, five, eight thousand And it's an upfront investment as well. It's like a risk, like you're factoring that risk. Yeah, I would have to probably carry that. Or you have to go and try and get investors and it becomes this big, big deal. And so you and you also need to get even to just be able to afford that rent, you need to be able to you need to get a lot of kids up front. I mean, basically online is the it's the classic bootstrapping scenario. You can just do it cheaply and put stuff out there and it doesn't cost you anything. Yeah, and, and then you might be able to help people do uh, local meetups. Yeah. You know, say, well, there's Catalyst, New York City, or Catalyst Grant. You know, people in his part of New York, people, you know, they have a, they can, you know, everything's done through through the website, but it's like if you want to get a study group together once a week for certain age group kids who are working on this. But there, there are other other people doing that, right? We've, we've been pointed out to you. I can't remember their names right now, but so... Just, just to let you know. I mean, oh, you're talking about uh, Coder Dojo. Yeah, yeah, that's like once a month, and it's a few places around the country. I mean, maybe we, maybe by creating the Catalyst IDE, we could kind of point it to these kind of clubs like Coder Dojo, mm -hmm. and those guys could use use the Catalyst sure. IDE and then pay for it. And sure. there you go. Yeah, I mean, I, it was never my goal, and I'm not sure what I wanted in terms of a money maker or not. Whether I mean, yes. that's sort of like, uh, could you make it? could you turn it into something that becomes a business? I mean, possibly? are you thinking about business right now? No, you're not even no, thinking that. No, it's not. That's not what this is. For me, that's not what this is about. Yeah. I, you know, this is just kind of like the guy, uh, was it the Sal Khan who started Khan Academy? He wasn't thinking, I want to build a business. He was doing because he wanted to help his kids and he got kind of the bug and wanted to do it. And then later on, he's like, okay, well, if I turn it into a business, it can become a bigger thing and I can invest more myself into it long term. It's definitely not about being a business for me because I'm not. It's not my, my thing. Well, yeah. Well, you just show. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, I just you, show up. you show up once a week, and which I do appreciate, you know. So I don't know. I mean, um, but anyway, I, I think I think my my thinking has changed from building, trying to build these get these buildings and hire lots of instructors and dealing with all these people issues and stuff. I'm thinking maybe we just said if we have our own little group, our yeah. lab of twelve or fifteen kids. You know, we have once a week, so it doesn't become a big time sink. It doesn't become Sounds money sink. a lot sink. less painful. A lot less painful. And I can get out of it what I want, which is I want to be able to help some kids. And, wants to and I, like, to have I want to be able to change the world in some way. Mm -hmm. may, you know, and I think actually you have a better chance of changing, of helping more kids this way. Right. Right. Rather than changing, helping, you know, a few hundred kids, you may have 30,000 kids across the country, across yeah, the world. That'd be awesome. Or whatever. I mean, maybe you won't be able to help them. Maybe you don't have as high a probability of helping each kid as much, but maybe you help enough to spread out. And the other thing is, you know, one of my primary motivations was to work with Colby. 
Yeah. Right. And the, and, and, and the more it becomes lots of kids and building infrastructure, the less it is about Colby and it's about everything else. Yeah. And, and I noticed that even in the class, sometimes I spend all this time helping my kids, but I'm not helping Colby. And I'm like, you know, this is kind of, <laughs> this is defeating the purpose. Yeah. Well, the other thing is we've recently made a decision about not taking on too many more new kids and just sticking with the kind of eight to 10 we've got. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of fluctuating. There's a few kids I'm not sure who may be in or maybe not. Um, it's somewhere in the 10 to 12 range right now. And, uh, you know, you know, we're going to lose kids. We're going to pick up kids. But generally, I don't want to be having a lot of new kids joining. I'd rather just have a core group of kids that are really motivated. All right. So you're done with Catalyst? I think that's it. I think we've... Okay. So I've got another topic. Okay. So I've been looking at uh, the stock price of a certain Tesla. Yeah. And uh, looking at all the uh, outrage caused over that uh, stock. Okay. Tell me, what do you think? No, I haven't. I don't. I don't watch the stock price. What's the stock price? Well, not the, not so much the stock price, but just the story about Elon Musk uh, and New York Times having a fight. What's your take on that? Yeah, you know, so it's it's interesting. I, um, you know, I, I read the initial New York Times article. I, I the New York Times article I read after I heard some some other articles about that article. So he kind of tweets. seemed like like our our initial well my initial conspiracy reaction is oh he's some kind of shill for the. Oil companies or whatever. Well, I don't think you have to be a shill. You'd be like, well, this guy normally writes a lot of articles for the oil and energy sector. Yeah. Right? He'd written an article, a really negative article about electric car industry generally. And then he comes out, and he's not the automotive journalist at the New York Times. And he comes in, and he writes this article, and it seemed really kind of questionable. I don't know how have to be a conspiracy. It's just like people have individual biases but then we all do but then elon musk wrote a kind of a rebuttal saying that it was kind of faked but then uh, looking through the hacker news conversation there was a lot of people saying well there were, he did have some points about the cold you know and that whole aspect of things so you know so i yeah i read a um i read a, a his i read that guy john broder i read yeah. his follow-up email i mean article yeah uh, on the subject and i I read a little bit of the Atlantic Wire had something to say about it, and then I read there was another CNN journalist who took a who took a drive from DC, and to he Boston. had ninety miles to spare. On he his, had no problems. He yeah. had lots of traffic. Had no problems. But he was it wasn't in the same cold temperature. It was ten degrees warmer, but it was still cold. So, what do you think? You know the the, the so a cognitive bias took hold of me at first, which is one I, I can't remember the name of this particular cognitive bias, but when you read multiple. Um, when you get a lot of information thrown at you, conflicting information, you tend to just fall back to what your, what the initial uh, piece of information was, or your natural leanings anyway. Yeah. So, no matter what it is, you know, and that's why what happens is, and that's why is in, in in political for a lot of um, arguments that are political in nature, which is a lot of arguments in our world, a lot of scientific articles or foreign policy or economic are become political um, arguments. And not scientific, not really scientifically based arguments. Then so what, what was your bias? What happens? What, what happens is is that you get all all the other side has to do is throw lots of information, conflicting information, and people just give up. Like I don't know, and then and they both they say I don't know, but I'm kind of going to go with what I initially feel anyway. Which is I I trust I trust Tesla. Right. Yeah. Right. And I was like, okay, so my natural inclination is like, well, I don't I didn't want to read the follow up article. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, you know, why do I want to read this? And I'm like, I'm falling victim to the cognitive bias. <laughs> you know, my natural inclination is to I believe in Elon Musk. Not so much just because I I bought some stock. Yeah, you know, I, I own some stock. I mean, it's not like I own a million shares, right? It's not that big a deal. 
but it's really because I I like Elon Musk and I believe in what he's doing. And I'm, I'm I think he's doing some great stuff. I think he's the greatest entrepreneur we have right now. Yeah, I would put him as number one because of SpaceX and and Tesla. Um, I don't think very many entrepreneurs could do one of those things alone twice at the same time. So initially, you fell into that cognitive bias. Then what happened? Um, so then I forced myself to read it, <laughs> right? And I forced myself to so, read it fairly carefully. And I read another one, and yeah, it sounds like it sounds like a he said, she said, and it sounds like they both probably have some valid points. Um, and it sounds like there were probably some miscommunications here and there between the customer support, the tech support people, and uh, the, the the writer James Broder. And it sounds like um, sounds like. But, you know, see, the thing is, it's hard to get to the bottom of it, right? I mean, it would be great if this thing was, like, done in, I don't know if it's a courtroom or you actually had, it was scientific, it was, it was re repeat the same thing again, repeat the same experiment with a different driver in very similar conditions. You know, yeah. let's do it over again. Like, it's peer-reviewed journal. Like, you, you know, we, we've talked about this, about how, uh, you know, a lot of the psych, um, the experiments done in psychology are not peer-reviewed. They're not, they're not, they're not re the experiments are not repeated. It's like, oh, there's new study says that people blah, do this and da 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 da, you know. And then the popular press repeats them, but it, it was only done a group of twenty or fifty people once. Does it change your opinion about owning a Model S? No, I mean, you know, because I'm not like buying one next week anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I could afford one at this point. I'm just, I want to buy one. You know, I think if we buy one, it'll probably be the Model X, which is a crossover. Okay. Because with kids and everything, yeah. and that's still a few years off. Um. And I think there, it sounds like the technology is mostly there, but there, there might be some limitations. I think limitations are probably pretty minimal. And I have a feeling that um, it sounds like the, the Broder guy, Bro, James, John Broder, ran into a couple of those limitations. It sounds like... Uh, well, but to, yeah. say, to say that the coal doesn't affect normal cars is, is, is like lying, right? Normal, normal diesel cars are affected by the cold, you know? Yeah, well, they did. They, they, I think Hacker News there for some comments about that. Yeah. And also, it's affected by the speed you drive. Right. The faster you drive, the less efficient your, your car engine is. Yeah. The, the lower the miles per gallon. You know, and that's true of internal combustion versus electric. I don't know. I mean, so I'm fighting the cognitive bias. I'm actively <laughs> fighting it, but yeah. it's always there. Right, we have to fight our cognitive biases. We, but we fall victim all. Does day it long. change your um, investment strategy? No, I mean, do I think you still buy, buy, buy? Yeah, I, I, I think, I think Tesla is ultimately going to be. Like I said, I think it's going to be a ten x or I think whatever the price is now in five to ten years, it's going to be ten times that. I think not because just the the, the stocks are more valuable. I think the company is going to become. I think electric cars are become a mainstream niche, like a hybrid. It's not just a curiosity or this very, this you know, this very sort of uh, interesting and special category that it is now. It's going to be something that's going to be so commonplace that people aren't going to bother bringing up in conversation. It's like if I said, "Hey, I got a hybrid," people are like, "Okay," you know, nobody cares. It's not yeah. interesting, yeah. right? It's not everybody has a hybrid. It's still a minority, but it's just so commonplace and no one cares. And I think electric cars will be there, and five would probably be on the low side, but ten. The high side, and yeah. I think that's, and I think that the that's what you're investing in. Yeah, and if there are if there are technical issues right now, and it's still not clear that it is, it doesn't mean that those things are going to be overcome. They will be overcome. Yeah, I mean they have engineers, they have extremely bright engineers working on this stuff, and it's, I think from the CNN follow up, it's mostly there anyway. Maybe it's some education. What is the? What do you think? I I think I I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I was, I was starting to read the, uh, 
uh, one or two of the articles this morning, the follow-up articles, and I was like, oh, I don't want to read this because it was like, I knew I had to read it for the show. I knew you were going to ask me about it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God, you know, I'm kind of bored of this, you know, yeah. but I kind of felt like I had to, fell ahead to do my homework. All right. Well, um, do you have any articles you want to bring up? Let's see. Um, I don't know if I have articles. Let's see here. I'm looking in my notes, my show notes. Maybe we should have like a a, a listener question section where, oh no, a live audience question section where Udi asks us some questions. <laughs> you got it? Yeah. You got any? Got anything comes to mind? Uh, no, oh, you put him on the spot. You should have asked him <laughs> yesterday. You should like come up with think a couple of a questions. few questions. Yeah. Questions. Okay. I'll think about something. <laughs> so, um. I, you know, I'm going up to uh, San Francisco next week, mm -hmm. and it looks like I'm going to finally get uh, grab dinner with um, Sean Dross, who runs the Cattle's class up there. Oh, yeah. So that's yeah. be cool. I, I, I was supposed to last time, but he got sick at the last minute. Um, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to participate in the Upverter Y Combinator Hackathon. Right. And But but how are you going to do that? Do you do you know enough? Not really. Okay. No. I mean, I, I, know the, I know the basics of electronics, but not enough to build anything, yeah. much less design something. Maybe you're going to be on someone's team. Yeah, yeah, they put you in teams of like three or four. Okay, and, I, you know, I talked to Zach beforehand. Zach's one of the founders of who we interviewed, one of the founders of, of Upverter. And uh, he said, yeah, he put me on a team with some experienced people. Okay. And, you know, and I'll help out however I can. So that's that'll be kind of fun. But that's all day Saturday. So I normally I go up there Wednesday through Friday, but instead of flying back on Friday night, I'm going to fly back on uh, Saturday night. So, um, I just saw it like, I don't know if we're, this doesn't really mean that much, but uh, fast company listed Uber as the number six, number six is one of the most innovative companies of 2013. All because of you. Pretty much. Cause I invented <laughs> everything. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, yeah, not quite. Um, yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, Although I think those lists are kind of arbitrary. Yeah. You know, there's a bunch of editors it. in the room and they just like, oh, Square is innovative or, oh. Yeah, I'm we'll like, see. dude, SpaceX, you got to right. put that at like number one. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's so far ahead of Square or Evernote or even Uber. Uber solved the regulations issues they had? Uh, well, the, the, there are different regulations in each and every city, which is awesome, right? That's <laughs> yeah. super fun. But um, I think in a lot of cities that Uber is in, the regulations have been um, dealt with one way or another. I mean, there's only, the only city that I think com we completely retracted from was Vegas. Huh. Vegas, it was just going to be, they they were going to put like, there was a minimum uh, charge per ride of like 70 bucks or something crazy. Yeah. I mean, in, in Vegas is a very, um, I suppose, corrupt, politically yeah. corrupt city as you Probably is no surprise to anybody. And so <laughs> getting anything down there, and I think all the entire cab companies are, are owned by two different people, all cab companies. Are all right. So it's like getting into there is going to be difficult. And I think that there may be other issues, but um, and most of what I know is not from, I don't know, like I had a conversation with Travis or any of the guys about it. I, I remember just reading in, when I was visiting Sandy's parents in Las Vegas, I was reading the local paper and they were having a big, hmm. was a big okay. article about it. So, But I know they pulled out because I think it was just, they realized it was just, a fight not worth having. There were bigger cities, more potential, be less headache. Mm -hmm. But what happens is, and this has happened in other cities, it happened in D.C., I think, is that the people in that city have used it in other cities, and people with clout they want and it. influence are like pissed. They're like, this is bullshit, mm -hmm. right, that we don't have this in our city. And if we want to attract more business and we want to attract the kind of people that we want in this city, the people who are going to put money and investment and, 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 and things in this city, we can't thwart things like Uber. 
Yeah. I mean, because those people want Uber and they get, and they, and that just gives an indicator to them that like, you can't do innovative things in the city. You can't, you know, you know, so I don't know, but, um, yeah, that's pretty much it on that. I'll tell you another good, um, startup that reminds me of Uber a little bit is Grubhub. Have you tried, have you seen that? No, but you met them, right? Didn't, um, was it that came out here? And was doing a video thing at Grubhub, and you went out and met him for lunch or something. Dan Philippe. Oh, maybe Santa Monica. Oh, right, yeah, maybe that was uh, like a year ago, a year and a huh. half ago. Well, well, they're they're doing. I mean, they're doing pretty well now, and and um, I've used them, and it work. It the service works. What I mean, is it exactly? Basically, it's just like a, a, a um a generalist order service. So just like you'd get an Uber, you you order food. They have like a lot of different restaurants listed on the system, and you'd go in there and order order food. And I guess they're using. I don't know how they're doing it. I don't know whether they're getting drivers or whether they are supplying the network of people who bring the food to you. But my guess is it's like an excess capacity thing. So how's it different than just going direct to the restaurant and calling up and ordering? Well, so if I want Chinese food or I want even Chipotle, I think, well, Chipotle you have to go pick up. Well, it's, it's different because you have such a large selection. Oh, so... So it's like every kind of food. Like you, you just go into the Grubhub app. And you just say, okay, I'm interested in you know Chinese, I'm interested in Indian or whatever, and they'll just find some restaurants near you and they'll go and pick. So it the up. mix of everything will come. Yeah. It's not yeah. like oh, we're just getting Thai food today. No, no, yeah, it's, it's it's every restaurant and every every food type. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So uh, why'd you bring that up? What's the? Just because it reminds me of Uber. It's like a similar kind of a play. It's like it's like an Uber play, but about food. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I I, I keep seeing on like. Um, Angel list or something will be a new trending startup. We're the Uber of this. And I'm like, wow, it's already there. That didn't take long, right? Yeah. We're the Airbnb of this. We're the Craigslist of this. Like yeah. everybody's the something of something. Well, but and, that uh, that also is to do with the marketing that Uber's done really well from a marketing perspective on Hacker News. So in our, but you know, Halo, for example, in Europe is huge. You know, uh-huh. you might just as well say we're the Halo of this, but that's just because they're in Europe. Mm-hmm. Like that. Mindshare. Yeah. Mindshare. Yeah. Right, it's just amazing to me that it's happened that fast, right? But one of the, I mean, some someone's going to consolidate that space. Someone's going to win it. I wonder who it's going to be. Why? Why do you think one company's going to win it? Well, because it's not going to say winner take all. Well, because like I think re- it's remember gonna... when I was in Chicago, I was with the one cab one cab driver, and he had Uber and he had Halo, and he was like, you know, how many more are they going to have? Like five of these things? They have like one app for each one, you know? I don't think it's going to winner take all. I think it'll be. I think certain cities. I think certain categories in certain cities will be mostly owned right. by something. So, if you want a town car or a, you know a, a, a SUV or whatever, you're going to use Uber. If you want a taxi in some cities, it might be Halo. Yeah. Uh, if you want like some random person picking up in their car, that's going to be whatever the sidecar or zip car. I don't know. I don't know the names of all of them, but yeah, yeah, yeah. What you gotta? I got a text from uh, George's sister and. Um... It's a picture of Georgie's dad next to Bruce Willis, and it's unbelievable how similar they look. <laughs> he's like chubby Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's definitely got the angry grandpa look. <laughs> so Udi, uh, Udi's going to be uh, having, I think, a lunch with them sometime soon. So prepare for the Bruce angry, Willis. Angry grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't see it being like. Uh, I think it's going to be local. Okay. city yeah and i think it'll be largely some categories will be competitive and some categories will probably be consolidated yeah you know i mean i don't i don't follow along with this space from a strategic business i mean it's not my that's not what uber pays me for and you know 
it's not it's, it's not my thing like i don't spend time thinking you know looking at strategic analysis or whatever so who knows i don't i don't have my i don't have any more inside knowledge that you don't no i'm just saying it. i mean typically in an in an industry i mean take for example search or whatever like well, you end up with like just one major player who gets the lion's share of the market and then you have to ask yourself they buy the other people and no, it ha I think it depends. Yeah, sometimes, but it depends. I mean, not all categories consolidate like that. Right, right. I mean, some don't, some do, and I think it depends on the specific dynamics of it. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, uh, we'll see. So, all right. So, you got any other? You got anything? I don't know. I would get back in the Walking Dead. Oh yeah. Are you, did you say you've watched everything up to? No, I haven't. I it, it's not. I it doesn't really it's grab me. No, no. What do you? The zombies don't grab you. Um, they're pretty grabby. I like. I like. Uh, you know me. I like teenage dramas. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I like post apocalyptic like vampire diaries. He watches the vampire diaries. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> Who do you thought it was like the worst show he'd ever seen? It's like Harry Potter, like some things that don't make sense. Uh wow. So yes. I watched Nashville. I have no idea what that is. Um that's good. Revenge. Never heard of it. What is it? Oh, it's some girl who's yeah. been wrong. Her dad was killed, so she goes yeah. around like killing people yeah. or something. Revenge, yeah. Okay. Is it like it's like nine hundred two one zero with a knife? Something yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a very sharp edge. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I've I've gotten into the. I've I've back into the. I had to take a break because I noticed I would only watch it at night, and and when I'd watch an episode, I would get like I, I mentioned before, my adrenaline yeah. would get so revved up that it would take me like an hour to come down. So if I watch it after Sandy goes to sleep, I turn on 11 and midnight I finish watching it and then I don't fall asleep till one. So you I'm said to us the other day, you said that you were never going to watch two episodes in a row again. and you But you were definitely going to watch one episode that night. Did you manage to turn it off after one? You know, I can't remember. I think I did. I don't think I've watched two in a row since then. Okay. I watched yeah. one. I'm trying to watch them. Like I watched one this morning. I have breakfast. And oh, watched, nice. Yeah, but I just can't. I you can't watch it later night. It just gets me, yeah, revved up. Gets you thinking. No, I'm re thinking. It's just like my your adrenaline's up. It's yeah. like I'm just like like kind of jittery, and it <laughs> takes me like a minute to go. I have to turn on the history history channel and watch like you know, <laughs> you know the you know Christianity the first thousand years. Just like okay, this will bring me down. Or like the universe, like meteors and asteroids. Wow, <laughs> like that's like whale music, right? Yeah. <laughs> you watch that, it's like. <laughs> I heard about that. That is nuts. It looked like something out of a sci-fi movie. 50. Well, some of the vid the video that showed it, I think, wasn't a real video. Um, the one that I saw on Hacker News anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody photoshopped it or what? They cut no, it no, like no, Independence no. Day or something? Basically, like on, on the Hacker News comments, yeah, they did something like that. So there was like four videos at the top where people would just happened to be videoing at the time and there was just a loud boom uh -huh. and they were like what the what the what the like looking around where you know but then there were in, uh, russian. It, yeah in russian so wh how, what would that be in russian what the how do you say that Bozhumai. okay <laughs> you, speak, you speak russian yeah yeah you're first, from israel Udi's first language is russian i, I wasn't born in israel i was uh, born in the so in former soviet union and i moved to israel when i was six yeah, yeah so oh, i know basically three languages okay so, English is his third language. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I didn't even know this. That's pretty interesting. So, so you're Russian. No, I'm not manager. really Russian, but I'm from the area. You're not really Russian. No, I'm. Uh, there's a the strip of, of the like. I'm from Turkmenistan. So it's Turkmenistan. Like, so you're yeah. Turkmenistani. I'm not. I'm, I'm Bukharic <laughs> Jew that was happened to burn in, burn in uh, Turkmenistan. Happened it's to, something weird. Happened I, to. Uh, well, manis uh, to burn in no, uh, I was born. Oh, you were born in Turkmenistan, but you're a Sephardi. 
I'm uh, I'm I'm Jew basically. I'm, Sephar- yeah, Sephardic Jew. Sephardic yeah. Jew, born in Turkmenistan. Yeah, and ran away. And run away. Moved to Israel. Wait, uh, how old were you when you? Moved? Six. What What happened when you ran away? Well, uh, uh, when the the Soviet Union collapsed, and right. uh, so the Muslims just focused their hatred towards Jews and not Russians. I see. It, it, they always hated and were anti-Semite, but uh, it wasn't very that big of a deal. But then mm-hmm. they just didn't allow Jews to uh, work in some areas. They didn't allow them to fly to other places. So when you, just just to, to qualify, because I don't want to get a lot of bad email about this. So when you say the Muslims... You well, mean, not you, everyone, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, just within your local yeah, area. There yeah, was in, in racial local, conflict yeah. within your local area. Yeah, the was, dominant racial group... In that particular in, scenario, yeah, yeah. it was difficult for Jews to go to universities they wanted, and right. so, and three months after my family left, they just didn't allow anyone else to leave the country. So you left in time. So you were how old? So sorry, it was, was six, six years. Six. You caught the la- you you caught you caught the last train uh, yeah, leaving the station, like pretty much. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we've been talking about this a lot, and um, just the thought of for me, I mean, I haven't really lived in. A place, a place where, I don't know, bombs are going to fall out of the sky, right? <laughs> right. That's been Udi's experience um, his whole life, uh, which is kind of, you know, that's that's different. So does it, um, do you have a hard time reconciling that when you're living, like when you're in this world right now, and that's the furthest thing from this reality, and then that world was, which was first very real to you. Do you, do you like, Shaker's it- like, what, what is going on? I'm like, yeah, well, and in Israel, I mean, in Israel, like the, you know, like there's issues in the last uh, military uh, operation we had, uh, a bus blew up like minutes from my apartment in Tel Aviv, mm-hmm. and like I guess if something happens like in this area, God forbid, it will be very shocking to everyone. But for me, it will be like, oh wow, that sucks. It just nor it's nor it's, it becomes normalized. Yeah, because that's what's like in Israel right now. It becomes normalized. Violence so and there's a lot of violence. There's a lot of uh, missiles. It's not missiles. shocking when rockets fall to Israeli cities. It just happens so much. Well, it's like when people get in um, car accidents. You right. drive by a car accident and someone might have died, and you go, "Wow, it looks bad." Yeah, it's something that happens, you know, you and, and it sucks, and it's annoying. But but honestly, it doesn't. Have, after a certain point, you just kind of desensitize to it. But it's so. I mean, just some of the discussions. But like, it's difficult for me to imagine what it's like to have lived Udi's life. Like, I'm and we're here in Pasadena and. It, it just couldn't be more unthreatening. You know, there's no racism. I mean, your biggest just, worry is if you're out of coffee and you got to go to the store. Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, that's your biggest. It's just so different to that whole upbringing. No, so. we're, we, we live very privileged yeah. lives. Well, it's not that it's that horrible in Israel. It's just not fun some of the times, basically. Do you want to um, spend your... Do you want to live there as an adult or do you want to um, live in... Probably. Europe? Yeah, you don't want to live in Europe or the U.S. or us? No, not Europe, but maybe the U.S. Yeah. I have family in uh, New York. So, oh yeah so maybe i'm not sure you have to see yeah so uh yeah so you guys have spent a whole week you're gonna spend a month here um, spending three week three weeks here then we're heading off to chicago to the center to the head office um is there an actual office yeah there, there there's an office they actually have an office they do have an office yeah. so matt goes to and is an office of one well see the office he has is um a glass blowing studio because uh what because the the <laughs> the 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 funder the main entrepreneur behind it also has a couple of other businesses and one of that one of those businesses is a glass blowing company okay so here, here's a desk here's a couple desks right, you can have right, this corner right okay yeah. i was gonna say because if you're like one guy you'd be like why <laughs> would you go to the spend the, the expense of like getting an office just to go be yeah. there 
I mean, unless you were meeting. It's with a pretty clients. impressive plant, actually. The glass blowing place. It's really, really good. Um, but yeah, that's where that's where we'll be going. That's cool. So you're going up there for how long a week? Probably, yeah, a few days. Yeah. Um, but it's been interesting having Udi stay, like texting listener actually here for three weeks. Right. Yeah. And we've been, as you can see, we've been like architecting stuff on the board. I know you're not too. Oh, you got your, you bought a new one. Yeah. Because you, you said you used to have a, what's well, a, a whiteboard on a, what's right. well, an easel. And a whiteboard on an easel. This is like a whiteboard on a kind of, uh, I don't know what you call that. Well, like a, kind of an a easel. square. Yeah, it has legs. Square legs know. thing. Right, right. right. <laughs> but it's pretty solid. Um, that's pretty good, pretty good whiteboard. Um, but yeah, actually, you know what? For the for the first, how many days now have we been working on this stuff? Five days? Yeah. We only actually just started to work on anything new recently. Um, we've been doing legacy stuff up until this point, which is so annoying. Like we're working on the old system. Yeah, you got to keep it alive. Yeah. So basically they want features based on this old system, yep. but the old system doesn't scale. It doesn't do have a hierarchy. It doesn't do all these different things. But we've had to spend four days making all sorts of different stuff work on this. Yeah, well, legacy stuff becomes uh, just dead weight after a while. It's like an yeah. anchor. But in the same sense, it's what also keeps your business growing. Well, because they're making sales based on promising. And, and like there's a, there's a lesson creator right mm -hmm. right now. But it's just – it's like a, a pretend lesson creator. It's not really – it sort of is, but it sort of isn't. But it's got the UI – but, but obviously Matt's going in to talk to principals and he's saying, I need this feature for this sale. I need this feature for this sale. Yep. So I'm adding features to this old system. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely how it works. It's definitely how sales – because sales, people go out in the field, they start to get a sense of what people really want. Right. They can tell what's required to, to close the deal. Yeah. And so they'll make a promise like, okay, we'll, we'll get that to you, which is usually a pretty you know i mean it depends on the context but often can be the smart decision right i mean is it is it better to close a deal and book 50 or a hundred thousand dollars in revenue and you have to spend a couple of days coding something up yeah 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 absolutely you know but it's but annoying it, no it's especially annoying because the the whole reason why we flew Udi over was so that i could work with him closely for the next <laughs> three weeks on building the new system architecting the new system um but uh we basically put in a code freeze we said look okay okay Four days, but that's all you can have. You've got, you've had your four days. Now we're moving on to new stuff. You told Matt that. Yeah. So yeah. you told the CEO, you yeah. got your four days. I didn't exactly say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I just sent an email saying, "Please, could we have a code freeze?" <laughs> okay, that sounds a little better. Right, right. Okay, that sounds a little more realistic. <laughs> you got your four days. That's it. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> the tech department's rebelling. Yeah. Well, you know, it's you even see that with like an open source projects, right? Like Rails. They, I think something in like Active Record. There's like a, there's like two or three versions out that they have updates. You know, like the third or four dot update in like Python. Mm. You have the three, whatever three three x version, and then there's like a two x version. And they're both moving forward. They're yeah. parallel. I mean, they do their own things. Rails has had some pretty bad press recently, and Ruby. Just about the security stuff. I mean, well, there's I, a security I, thing, and then there was the Heroku Heroku um, routes. Did you see the post uh, by Patrick McKenzie about the security issues? No, I didn't read it. What, what's it what's Basically, it? he just said, "Look, this is huge. Like, this could affect so many different services. Like, even even if you've got nothing to do with Rails, your passwords in sites that you know are based on Rails, and they may not update it. Right. And so, you know, you should probably." Change those passwords or remove passwords from any public site in the internet. <laughs> or use a different password for every one. Yeah. yeah. What do, you, do you use any of those like online services for storing all of your online passwords? No, but I do use a great piece of software called 1Password. Right. Um, and it, it, 
it'll just kind of fill out all your web forms for you and it'll generate random passwords on the fly as you browse around the net. It's really, I really like Called it. Called One Password. One Password. How yes, much does it cost? It's like 50 bucks, something like that. And it's yeah. installed on your local machine. So it's installed on your local machine, yeah. But you can So also, what happens if you're working on someone else's machine? Um, I, 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 I haven't looked into whether you can export it or not. I don't know. Because then you'd be kind of yeah. screwed if you yeah. if you didn't have your machine and someone says you're somewhere and you're like, oh, well, let me just log in. Oh, I can't. I think you probably well, it can. It has iPhone version probably. Yeah, it does have an iPhone version, yeah. Encrypt the database of your passwords and, it's, uh, and it works on your iPhone, Android's computer. But how do you share the file? It's, it's, it's like, one, it's, okay, yeah, I think that's the way 1Password works as well. So basically the file, the password file you put in Dropbox, that's completely encrypted. And then you load that up with your iPhone or um, with your app. And um, that's how you share the password. Right, right. Obviously wouldn't work for a company situation. Right. Because you you know, may want some people to look at some passwords and other people to look at other ones. So Udi, what, um, what's it like living inside a Texing episode? Well, I, to be honest, it's like it's still unbelievable, basically. Because I, I still remember remember the days that I started listening to the show, uh-huh. and I remember that uh, before I even started listening, Justin followed me on uh, Twitter, and uh-huh. I saw like, uh, wow, he has a lot of followers. Well, oh yeah, he's following almost everyone. So right. I'm not that. <laughs> the important. Justin bot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Justin bot is stalking me. So the thought of like. Thinking that one day I might live with him and work, it's it's really it's not it's not. That's what I'm saying. Be careful you follow Twitter. You could end up living with that person. It's a. <laughs> what was funny because you know we we've got we've gone out to lunch what twice we were once 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 but it felt like you know it felt like you twice. and I got in our typical uh, discussions and <laughs> yeah so you're basically exactly the same not without mics and like with them and it's very it's very similar. <laughs> Yeah, yeah there is no difference between the show and us yeah, just exactly. talking. So for other listeners, just so you know, the, the show is very authentic. <laughs> I'd say so. Well, I, I can't act. So I have no choice but to be authentic. I can't. Pre- I'm, I'm not very good at pretending that I think something or feel something that I don't. And we naturally argue. Yeah. So, so there is the natural drama and the natural tension. That's, that's because... Well, I think two things. That's the... I think the reason that that happens is that you and I are interested in a lot of the same things, but we have different worldviews. Yeah. Different worldview. We just see the world a little different way because of our backgrounds and our personalities. And then but also, we're not, both of us are people who are not really afraid to say, no, no, that's, that's ridiculous. What the hell are you talking about? Right. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of, I guess that's rare because a lot of people are very kind of like, oh, I don't really want to offend that person. I don't want to say anything to them. Right. But because we're op- open about it, that, makes it good especially in a public scenario it's just like drama it's like what we were talking about the other day in the car right speaking of drama i was listening to this totally seems up because one of my the podcasts that i listen to is called on the page oh yeah and uh it's really good if you're if you're if anyone listening to the show is into i don't know screenplay writing and that kind of stuff i'm sure we have me too on, on the page yeah on the page it's really good and they were talking about um supporting characters the podcast with this particular show is about supporting characters and uh they said um, they have different types, like angry grandpa. Like you want your angry grandpa, like Alan Arkin in Argo. You're right. He's out right. there. Ah, this is crap. And this is you know, which is hilarious. Like, what was it? Though? Did you guys see Argo? What was the part where they said, "What's it about?" And he said something like, "Fuck something." Oh, uh, Argo, fuck yourself. Argo, fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was one of the characters, which is great. And you need these uh, supporting characters because they move the storyline. Mm-hmm. Let me move the story along. And the other one was Douche in a Suit, 
which is like Kevin Spacey tends to play those guys a lot, which is like the representative of the system. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you have to have your douche in a suit. And the the one was, well, that's another one was the Manic Milf, (laughs) who sexualizes the situation, but it doesn't take the romantic focus off the the female lead, right? (laughs) It was... uh, I don't know, there's a there's a few others I'm kind of I'm flanking on them, but it was uh, that that was so. Funny. Why you listen to that? You have some more playwright, some more um, screenwriting in mind. I don't you know. I listen to a variety. Of, I listen to a pretty wide variety of shows. Yeah, podcasts. I listen to stuff on foreign policy. I listen to stuff on economics. I listen to the stuff on um, you know screenwriting. I I I started listening to one of the uh, actually two of them, depending on my mood. Uh, the Walking Dead podcast well because when i'm coding when i'm sitting there writing code sometimes i'm not listening mean, i want more than music but i can't listen to something that's going to take too much of my attention and listen to a couple of people ramble about the what, past episode but what's of the show walking, walking dead podcast about like what you just they- have a couple of people talking about the show like, i think i don't understand why they did this and this these this character is being really annoying and why don't they just kill this off and i love this part and this is different from the comic book and you know that's so cute you're a fan you're actually a real fan of that yeah. show. Well, I did. I used to listen to the the Lost Cast. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, it was pretty fun. I mean, it's it's usually like, well, one of the shows it's a guy and a girl, and they're both pretty good, and then the, and it's okay. And there's others, just like three or four guys, and they're all kind of like, you could just see those guys sitting on the couch, joking around, not taking it seriously, and I don't know. It just it's like uh, I need something to fill the air when I'm coding, mm-hmm. and it keeps me focused because it's like enough. If whatever I'm working on isn't interesting enough for in and of itself, I need something to keep me in place. Yeah. If not, I go off and I start reading, you know, reading, the, browsing the web or sending emails and doing stuff I, that's not productive. Yeah. So it just keeps me on task. And shows like that are not, um, they don't require enough thought that it keeps me from being productive. And of course, if I, if I have like, all of a sudden I have to figure something out or I can't make a decision, I turn off and I just yeah, think, yeah. think hard, but. I know, I'm trying to think what else I listen to that's uh, like called science shows. You know, there's Radio Lab and science podcasts and I don't know. I like that Radio Lab show. And there's like the NPR, American Life, This American Life. And then, of course, you know, we listen to some of the tech stuff. I love This American Life. They do some really funny. Oh, it's, uh, it's the best podcast. Yeah. And listen to Nerdist. Oh, no, like I haven't I heard that one there. I would recommend The Nerdist. It's yeah. funny. They're comedians. I mean, it's, it's funny stuff. Um, let's see. What else? I've seen a couple others that are good. I, I, I would listen to that... Um, What's the guy who does the? He he runs the uh, Smithsonian Observatory or something. He's um he's like a he's big in the astrophysics world. I don't know. Well, whatever. This this is a great way to end the show. Listen to podcasts. Oh, yeah. and start off the rest of us. Oh, our sister course, show. Yeah. yeah, the serious guys. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, they're the ones in the conference giving the talk. We're the guys outside. The serious guys uh, with more iTunes reviews. Right. Yeah. Right. Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. What are you? What, what are you? Do you got, listen, got any real um, good podcasts? That... Well, I'm listening only to Texan, honestly. <laughs> While I'm working, I'm just listening to some of the Yeah. Yeah. Me too. You don't listen to any shows? Uh, no, just texting. Just oh, and uh, this developer's life. That's good when yeah. it comes out, like yeah, once every six months. It's like a bi you know, biannual. Maybe I'll listen to it. I'll, I'll listen to startups for the rest of us, but not like on a regular basis. Like I'll kind of put it on every once in a while. Yeah. I. I you know, it's like I have certain shows that I'll listen to at certain times. Like, I'll, you know, when I'm at lunch, I, I, I'll, I'll listen to certain shows. I tend to listen to stuff with the rest of us when I'm at the gym stretching. <laughs> that in the low life for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I find, like, the more busy I get, the less I kind of do 
I, like I just focus on being busy and doing work and doing stuff. I don't seem to. Do you have this real skill of like being really busy and also having a life? Uh-huh. I don't really. I can't really do that. If I'm really busy, I can't really have a life. I don't know. How. You become very myopic. I don't know how you manage that. What's your secret? <sighs> well, I mean, it's it's a curse. It's a strength and a weakness. I mean, yeah. there's definitely there's no. Um, it's not a superpower. <laughs> it's as much an illness as a superpower. I mean, it's it's kind of both. Uh, I don't know. My um, my uh, advisor, mentor, teacher from high school, Steve Segura, used to talk about that. It's like I do so much, and the problem is, you know, when you do so much, he's like, you'll convince yourself you understand something better than you do, so you can move on to the next thing. Right. When your kids are in school, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like you know you and. Um, you know, a, a lot of things have worked out for me in life because I do a number of things, mm-hmm. and and that's a whole other discussion we've tied, we've covered already. But, um, it uh, you know, it definitely will affect maybe the quality or the depth that I can take something because I'm doing five five things. You know, but like I said, it keeps my life really interesting. I'm doing a lot of stuff that's kind of cool. I have a question: Are we as you had imagined us? Like in just, I mean, just to meet us in the real life versus uh, just hearing the voice. Well, I haven't actually formed any like opinion about anyone but i thought you will be shorter (laughs) (laughs) i think it's because of the photo you have on things because you seem like more uh, like right he looks he looks mentally diminished is what he looks like because you you altered the photo and you're kind of leaning forward and the light i mean it's a terrible picture like you look like yeah but jason is basically the same as i imagined i look like my picture more or less yeah well, you get okay. we see what you, what you what you see is what you get. Yeah. Well, is that what we call out a show? Are we I, going to get lunch? Yeah, that's. You want to get lunch? That sounds like a good lunch. idea. Yeah, Sandy gave me the clear. She said, you know, she said if you guys want to go. Oh, sweet. Then I think we're going to the museum after that. All right, all right. That's a wrap. We're out.